been an interesting season, definitely a mixed bag. There were certainly some highs, and we're going to come on to talking about those in specifics, but I think it's probably only fair that we uh, spend the first bit of the podcast talking about the last couple of weeks and some of those uh, very unfortunate lows. In the end, a season defined by failure to win against some of the weaker teams and failure to win at crucial moments against some of the stronger teams. Yeah, you could say that, or you could say it was defined by uh, Steven Gerrard's loose back pass to Didier Drogba. Happy happy birthday, Chelsea. Uh, no, I, I'm being facetious, of course, but that it was the most limp performance from Liverpool ever, and of course that's where the, uh, the title was won. United's game against Stoke was a formality. Stoke have been pretty rubbish on the road and and uh, I don't think anyone ever believed that Wigan could do anything so came to a pretty anticlimactic end uh, in the end but I think your assessment of the season generally is right uh, we lost some key games we, we've lost against Chelsea twice we also lost at Liverpool and um, there were some you know serious points dropped there but more crucially we, some pretty, pretty poor performances against average size in the early part of the season lost points at home to Sunderland obviously the loss at Burnley was pretty serious a home defeat by Aston Villa when Rio Fernandes was just coming back from another spell of injury uh, the loss at Fulham when uh, I think we had seven defenders out so early part of the season in the end has killed us and I think there were five defeats before Christmas Uh, and uh, that's something we couldn't come back from even though uh, United uh, performed better in the second half of the season. Yeah and I read a piece on which I had to profoundly disagree with saying that the title was lost when the linesman's flag failed to go up against Didier Drogba and I just think no no the title was lost because Manchester United were not good enough across the season to win the title. That's true. Uh, yeah, quite literally, it's true. We, we weren't good enough. Uh, seven defeats points to United not being good enough this season. Of course, you can point to the individual bits. Yes, Drogba was offside. Yes, United should have got something out of that game. Same, same with the game at Stamford Bridge. In fact, uh, it, it was uh, the softest of soft free kicks that Chelsea got to score their winning goal. And we had you know, poor decision at Anfield. And certainly some of the uh, the refereeing was questionable post Ferguson's rant at Alan Wiley, and you can probably understand why. Uh, yeah, it's all in details, right? So, yeah, of course, uh, United have dropped some points um, through ill fortune and been hit badly by injury. But I, I, I think you're right. I mean, at the start of the season, uh, I wasn't being negative. I thought we just didn't look quite as good as Chelsea in terms of our squad. And that's been borne out. Chelsea were pretty inconsistent too, but their home record was good enough. And uh, I think they dropped only five points all season at home. And obviously scored 103 goals. And that, that you know, that's pretty striking, that is. It is. It's interesting to talk about Chelsea just because... They really could have had this whole thing sewn up months ago, essentially, if they weren't quite so inconsistent. I mean, United did incredibly well to keep themselves in it. And, you know, going into the last month of the season, things looked fairly promising. Yeah, I, I don't know whether it's right to say that Chelsea could have had it sewn up months ago. They weren't consistent enough to do that. So No, I mean, but we gave them, all I mean by that is we gave them the opportunity to do that and they didn't kind of, they didn't take, because the the defensive crisis was, you know, really did tear the heart out of United in the first half of the season and and we did really make an incredible fist of it to to get back into the running for the title. 
Yeah, but I mean, the question we have to ask, given that United actually had the best defensive record this season, the question we have to ask is, even if United's players are all fit next season, do we expect United to win the title? And I'd say right now, Chelsea's squad is still strong now. Chelsea are going to lose some of their older players for sure. It looks like Cavalier will be sold off and Ferreira they'll allow to go and probably uh, there's a couple of other players they, they want to trim down the squad. Joe Cole may well leave. He's out of contract. But the signs are that they are prepared to spend big as well so Chelsea are going to be stronger I think I think they'll have a, a renewal they'll bring some younger players in because clearly they are the oldest side to have ever won the Premier League and a lot of their key players are in their 30s now so United got to respond to that I think and if we go into next season with the current squad I honestly don't think we're quite good enough as it stands now and of course we've got the whole summer and things will change but um but you know certainly something to reflect on i think for the next few weeks i mean absolutely i i think that things would have to break extremely favorably for us in order to win the league next season with the squad that we've got at the moment do you think that the squad that we've got at the moment will be pretty much the squad that starts next season Chris Smalling's coming in Chicarito is coming in Javier Hernandez from Mexico but neither of those seem to be tentpole signings that are going to light up the squad and plug the gaps that there have been when there have been gaps this season what what does the summer hold for us transfer wise yeah well there are still quite a few things that are undecided there so you're right Smalling essentially is one for the future I don't think anyone expects him to drop straight into the side although apparently this what Ferguson told him but he's not playing in the Fulham side at the moment so I think he will assuming that Vidic doesn't go and that's a big assumption still I'd say it's 80-20 he'll stay at the moment I I would have given you a different answer around about January but assuming he stays then Smalling will be fourth choice and and you know, quite possibly needed if you look at the injury record of Fernand and Vidic and, and Evans recently. Uh, Hernandez, I, I have no idea. I mean, you know, I like you and many of the listeners, I'm sure, uh, have only seen him on YouTube. And we'll get a chance to see him on May the 24th. He'll be coming with the Mexico squad and they'll play England at Wembley. So that'll be a good um, good chance to check him out. But, you know, he's, he's five foot nine. He looks pretty nippy and strong and he, he looks decent forward. He's got a uh, load of goals in Mexico. Um, yeah. And, and and, so, and he's got four in five playing against like Qatar and New Zealand and the Vatican second eleven or, or whatever it's been. So hey, there's, uh, they got some pretty tasty players in that side. I, I've heard so. Yeah. Um, so who knows? Uh, my, my guess is, and if you look at Fergie's record of buying these uh, unknown forwards, uh, save for Ollie, generally speaking, they've not done that well. Old Trafford think... has been a bit of a forwards graveyard, so I would expect him to spend the first six months in the reserves. Save for Ollie, they've all been completely disastrous signings. I think you could say maybe not disastrous because of the financial implications haven't been disastrous, but apart from. Ollie, no, none of them have made a proper fist of it in the first team. No, no, the the ones that have been successful are, are the the guys that have uh, had big money spent on them, and uh, this is this is a policy clearly that um, United are not going to follow. So we need Hernandez to come good. We need Mamed Biram Diouf to come good. I mean, he certainly looks like he's got a bit about him. Uh, 
you wonder whether his finishing is quite up to standard. I mean, he's had a couple of games, right? He, you know, you know, a few minutes against Burnley, and then uh, he had half an hour against Wolves, and which he was shooting all over the place. Um, so we'll see. And he's, his progress has been hampered by injury in the, the latter part of the season. Uh, but we've actually got seven forwards now. So, but you kind of, as, aside from Rooney, there's question marks about all of them, aren't there? Berbatov's form and his place in the tactical formation, Machado's attitude problem, the fact that he appears to be fathering children. He's only twelve, um, and uh, and he he's not had the impact this season that we'd hoped. Uh, Hernandez and Dioff we've spoken about, and Michael Owen. He'll come back. How long before he gets injured again? I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say not long. Yeah. So so that's the problem. And of course, the biggest problem for United is is in midfield. I mean, this is part of the reason why Ferguson's changed the tactical formation, uh, and is is so reluctant to play two up front. Um, is that he just doesn't trust the central midfield to be strong enough in a four four two against the biggest sides. And that that's not going to be resolved by buying a six million pound kid somewhere, is it? Top class talent needs to come in, and top class talent always costs a lot of money. So um, you mentioned in that roundup, uh, I was I was all prepared for a segue from your Biram Juve conversation when you said that his finishing might not be quite up to snuff. You mentioned uh, everyone's favourite scapegoat and hate figure in the Manchester United starting eleven, Mr. Dimitar Berbatov. Now I feel slightly ridiculous to still be a Berbatov apologist, but hear me out for a second. First of all, he was used; he was sacrificed to the system. A lot of people would agree with that. The, the, the side effect of that has been that his confidence has been absolutely shot to pieces, leading to the completely dismal finishing we've seen from Berbatov in the last month okay that's that's perhaps far-fetched maybe he's just not up to it maybe he's just not a Manchester United player but I I still don't quite believe that even though it's a bit ridiculous not to believe it um do you think he will still be at the club come the start of next season and if so do you think he stands a chance of regaining the kind of form that score him saw him score tons and tons of goals for Tottenham Hotspur uh, no and no uh, is my answer. I, I think he is what he is, so I don't think he's going to change. And I also, I, I, just, I, I don't think, given what's going to happen in the transfer market, I don't think Ferguson's philosophy on the tactical system is going to change radically. He's still going to play one up front next season. That's my, that's my guess, unless something significant changes. Um, and then I think they'd take the money because, well, I mean, the, the conveniently leaked story this week, Old Trafford PR department has been working there. Dubious magic uh, was that there's £40 million to spend. Now, we don't know if that's in addition, because they were, they were talking last week of saying, we've actually spent £20 million already, so I wonder whether there's only £20 million that will be allowed, and that's, of course, from the credit facility. £20 million doesn't really buy you much. So could be that they sacrificed Berbatov in order to pump up the transfer fund a little bit. Um, and that really depends on anyone's going to pay him. I mean, he's obviously he's on big wages. Uh, it would help if he went into the Eurozone, I think, just with the exchange rate. So, and, and they've talked about Milan or possibly Bayern being interested. I don't think Milan could afford him. Bayern, maybe? Bayern seems to be where the smart money is, I think. I, I suspect that's where he'll be next season. Well, you'd think he'd be remembered fondly in Europe, right? Or in, in Germany, where he, he had a very successful start to his career. Yeah, and, and I, you know, obviously I wish him all the best and I hope he 
finds his form and confidence again and does really successfully somewhere else because I don't think he's ever really stopped trying uh, in spite of the ridiculous notion that he's a lazy player. No, no, I, I, I don't. I don't believe he's a lazy player. I, I just, I, I just can't see a scenario where he suddenly starts. What's going to change? I, I just don't see anything that's going to change that that's suddenly going to make him uh, the player we all want him to be. So um, he's. I think he, you're right. So there you go. Anyway, that, so that's that's uh, that's Berbatov and that's our transfer dealings this summer. I have a pretty negative outlook on that one. I'd love to see a, a really top class central midfielder come in. The names we've all heard: Silva, Modric. Uh, we've certainly seen a lot of Modric this this season. He's been excellent, and uh, Silva plays. He'll pro- we'll see him a lot at the World Cup, and Silva will probably probably play on the left hand side of Spain's uh, sort of attacking quartet, but. He plays in a much more central area behind the principal forward for Valencia, so with attacking midfield role. And lovely quick feet, uh, very talented player. And, and he, you know, he would be obviously available because Valencia are broke. Uh, he's on reasonable wages, uh, so he's obtainable. But who knows? It's it's an interesting it's an interesting time for sure. As you say, of course, any transfer significant transfer spending will be based on credit. So whatever happens this summer the long-term future is very much um, uncertain and and we did discuss whether we were going to have a conversation about the Red Knights today Um, it will be very interesting to see and if there is a successful bid for the club before next season things could look quite different and certainly a little more optimistic yes although if there is a successful bid it will include the bond debt so things will change slightly in the uh if the Red Knights happen to make a successful bid, uh, we assume there'll be uh, no pick debt uh, because that'll all be the Glazers' responsibility for the profit they make, and uh, the Red Knights will have to take a certain amount of dividends, uh, you know, highly restricted. But anyway, that, that's for another time. Let's see if that happens in the next couple of weeks. I, I suspect it might at least the first shot across the bows of uh, what is likely to be a very long war there. I was, I was thinking we should um, we should also have a think about some of the positive things from this season rather than uh, all the negativity of of losing and uh, and the financial situation because there have been some good moments to remember from this year even if it hasn't been a classic and uh, I think the one uh, for me and we spoke about this earlier that stands out of course is um, Owen's last minute winner against City back in the autumn. What a fantastic goal and what a fantastic moment it's been a season where most of the highlights essentially involved scoring goals against Manchester City in Fergie time yeah and uh, that was the uh, epitome of Fergie time 96th minute of course proven later uh, to be correct completely in terms of the amount of time they added on um, for all the goals that were scored and the substitutions and the injuries but the way it wound up City was uh, just made it even more sweet and the fact that it was a winner and it was in the last minute and uh, a beautiful goal as well that lovely pass by Ryan Giggs instant first time touch uh, from Owen and uh, then he poked it in with the outside of his boot into the net and Old Trafford went mental one of the um, one of the f- relatively few times we saw the absolute very best of Michael Owen doing uh, what he has been capable of throughout his career a stunning stunning finish and a, a brilliant moment talking of old trafford going mental um that wasn't my personal highlight of the season my personal highlight of the season was one mr david beckham picking up a green and gold scarf and wrapping it 
round his neck to the rapturous reception of the Stretford end. And it was a touching moment, not only because it was completely within the the moment and uh, Beckham clearly knew what he was doing and it was one for the fans and uh, fans had conveniently kind of indulged in some revisionism beforehand and forgot exactly the circumstances that he'd he'd left in and that that was fine and um, he came back a hero and uh, he did that for the fans at the the height of the anger against the Glazer family and and of course it followed a a stunning performance from United uh, in which uh, the Reds won 4-0. Yeah, it was a it was a brilliant game and an absolutely brilliant atmosphere. The kind of most of the iconic imagery of this season is is captured in the, in that game. Um, the two massive Love United Hate Glazer banners in the Stretford end, um, Beckham with a scarf round his neck. The kind of as soon as the result was beyond doubt, it became all about the kind of Beckham story and the Glazer story and. Um, it was just absolutely fantastic. And you say indulge in some revisionist about the stuff about when, when he left, but whatever, man. The guy um, was clearly a fantastic Manchester United player who had Manchester United in his heart in quite a profound way. He's a fan, and uh, and he's been quite clear about that. And, uh, yeah, so that was a great moment. Uh, of course, another great night um, under the lights at Old Trafford uh, was the second leg of the Carling Cup semi-final when United again scored a late goal to beat Manchester City and uh, send the team through to the Carling Cup final at Wembley where they um, rather fortunately, I guess, beat Aston Villa on the day. Yeah, when we were talking about what we were going to pick, you suggested the Carling Cup final. I'm afraid I can't bring myself to pick that over the semi-final, which really was, um, as as a reporter said the next day, you know, the, the the match mattered so much more than the competition. It really did stimulate United's season, that, that second leg victory, didn't it? And yeah. uh, it, it was really needed because it, it wasn't that long after United had been dumped out of the FA Cup by Leeds United. And obviously we'd had all those Premier League defeats before Christmas and, and the loss to Besiktas and um, you know just got through the Champions League group game, thank, group thankfully. Uh, but I think United were on a pretty pretty big downer coming into that game against City and uh, obviously we'd been beaten the, the week before and City had been crowing about that and beat them in dramatic circumstances. Wayne Rooney's header was... Um, was just perfect and it really did stimulate United for a while. And you bring up a lovely segue into our next highlight. Uh, Simply put two words, Wayne Rooney. What an extraordinary season he has had. What an extraordinary player he is and how thankful I feel to have him at our club because he has lit up the Premier League this season, um, won every award going and so well deserved, a phenomenally, phenomenally gifted footballer. I mean, he's been wonderful and of course he's, he's essentially missed the last uh, the last five weeks of the, the season. Uh, he's hobbled through so many matches. I, I think one of the things that sums up how important Rooney's become to United now is that uh, second leg against Bayern Munich where he clearly was not fit. He was hobbling around. Um, but just the just the sheer presence of Rooney in the starting lineup gave everyone such a huge lift, and the the atmosphere was fantastic. And United 
started like you know in such a great fashion in that game just because Rooney was there I think I mean he barely contributed to it and uh, he's become that that kind of player for us now uh, we we rely on him massively uh, too much of course he's he, he's been brilliant and he's, he's adapted his game once again uh, he started out as a striker in the hole for United focus and then shifted him out to one of the wide positions in a in a 4-3-3 formation and and this season he's playing up top on his own and and uh, he's he's uh, he's been brilliant in that role I still kind of have a, a feeling that Rooney's best role is still just a little bit deeper. If only you could have a, a someone to play off, the whole team would, would be directed through him. That all of United's play, but right now he's he's obviously a brilliant frontman on his in his own right. And uh, we've we've done the well. Ferguson has done the the best thing he possibly could with Rooney, given the state of the squad, to to play him up there and score all those goals. And um, one of the great strengths of his game of course is his ability to be a focal point for counter-attack and perhaps was there no better evidence of this than Arsenal away where him and uh, Nani absolutely tore the Arsenal apart that was also Nani's renaissance wasn't it and we'll come on to some of our ratings for the players this season but I think that was the game that defined Nani's new maturity some brilliant wing play and he played on the right that night of course and then gave Arsenal a pretty torrid time but it was a goal of the season uh, voted for by the players it was my personal favourite goal of the season uh, United's 6.7 second lightning quick break from box to box involving Park Nani and then finished with a beautiful flourish by Rooney uh, my favourite goal this season and and uh, just sum, summed up just the brilliant way United approached the game at, at the Emirates and the massive sucker punch that they uh, produced and uh, we all knew it was coming didn't we because it happened twice last season against Arsenal and uh, they did it again it was quite impressive stuff um, and yeah I'm, 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 I'm kind of excited to see what happens next with Rain Rooney and, and I really do hope that Sir Alex can build another team around him even though it's not looking definite so let's uh, Let's talk about those ratings, and we'll start with Sir Alex. You've given him seven out of ten. Yeah, this caused some controversy, didn't it, on the on the blog? I, I think I think Sir Alex and the the whole squad's performance kind of go hand in hand, right? So I, I think in United terms, it's not been a great season. Quarter final of the European Cup, Carling Cup winners for sure. Okay, but do we even count that as a major trophy anymore? Second in the Premier League and dumped out the FA Cup in the third round. That's not a vintage year by any standards at United. Uh, so, so for that, Alex gets an average score. I, I gave him an extra point if six is average because I think he's managed he's managed the best of his resources. So, you know, maybe I could have given him a seven and a half or so. I say. It's, he's managed the resources in, in in a great way, and it's his sheer drive and determination that has taken United to achieve more than perhaps his score this squad you know, uh, should have achieved this season uh, especially with all the injuries and um, so I, I thought seven was a fair score there I think it's an extremely fair score I, I think it's perhaps even slightly generous because yes he has managed his manager resources well and he has built a side when Rooney's fit and Nani and Valencia are playing well that looks really impressive and is is devastatingly effective on the counter-attack but he's made some very key decisions which haven't worked out okay so bringing Rooney on gave us a massive lift against Bayern but we ended up losing that match and losing Rooney essentially for the rest of the season I mean he's played but he hasn't really played since then and Sir Alex has to take some blame for that potentially well yeah he spent half an hour of that game with no striker on the pitch of course 
uh, which, yeah. which was a pretty poor mistake. Yep, yep. The the other mistakes he's he's made, I guess, uh, are are not uh, adequately replacing the the players that left. I mean, Valencia came in and has had a great a great season. Uh, I gave him a very high rating, and I, we'll I put him in that. my yeah top four this season. And we scored more goals in the Premier League than we did last season. Uh, but we've also not scored on six occasions, and I, I think that's a, a, something that does belie the truth here, which is uh, United's attacking edge is not quite the same as it as it has been in the past and that was Sir Alex Ferguson's decision if we believe him that there really was money so uh van der Sar, seven out of ten i think that's that's fair i think maybe even a little harsh actually i think when van der Sar obviously he missed a fair amount of the season through injury but he's been fantastic a few times this season i think i i think i'd be inclined to give him at least a seven and a half or an eight out of ten fair enough i, I think he shows his age sometimes but there there was that stunning save against bolton uh, my favorite save of the season and and uh, cusack an average season he's been solid when he's he's played uh, but you do always get the feeling that he's just not a top-class keeper. And then Foster, massive disappointment. Just massive. I, everyone wanted him to do well, partly because of the, the kind of xenophobic he's English, partly because he's just a nice bloke, isn't he? We all know he's got talent, but he just wasn't able to apply it, and he looked so nervous, and that nervousness went throughout the, the team, and uh, it was the right thing Alex did by dropping him. Partly um, it's the English thing, but also, and he's a nice lad, but just, you know, a, a good young player. We don't have to worry about goalkeeper for the next 10 years. That's the, the main reason that United fans wanted to see him succeed, I think. And an heir apparent is what is what we all hoped that he would be. And clearly he, I mean, we've talked about this in the past, being Manchester United's goalkeeper is not like being other clubs' goalkeepers. It's a very specific job. And the thing that van der Sar has done so well is just look like he knows what he's doing almost all the time and the defense looks so much more confident when he's behind them there's been a few moments where that's cracked but yeah i think i think i couldn't agree more with your rating for uh, for foster and and kujak yeah absolutely fine just just does the job a, a great second choice keeper to have in your squad yeah, and right backs Gary Neville, Rafael de Silva, John O'Shea, Wes Brown. Uh, I gave them all sixes, and uh, well, no, de Silva no. a five. And yeah, Gary Neville's had a, had a decent second half of the campaign when he when he got fit. I, I thought he had some pretty poor games against Chelsea and Bayern Munich in particular, and they were two crucial games. And I thought he got found out for for pace and positionally, and you kind of expect that at thirty five. But then again. He had some remarkably good games as well. He's, he's still a class act. He's he's just not physically as, as good as he was. Brown, injured half the time. Well, what do you expect? He always is. And, of course, John O'Shea's uh, campaign was, was blighted by that uh, that uh, blood clot he had in his thigh in November. So he missed the, the vast majority of the second half of the campaign. And then De Silva, well, we all have massive hopes for him, don't we? And uh, But we've talked about his problems. Um, he gets himself out of position and he pulls players back. And it's happened countless times. And two very high profile incidents this season the penalty that perhaps shouldn't have been against City against Craig Bellamy and the red card against Bayern Munich and that cost United and and it was his tendency to to pull players back when he's trying to get back at them which is a, a little bit naive and he needs to just stamp it out and and remember that first 40 45 minutes against Bayern Munich and think that we do have a potentially top class right back on our hands so talking of uh, top class fullbacks uh, ladies and gentlemen, please be upstanding and provide a standing ovation for Monsieur Patrice Evra. Neuf points you gave him out of dix points. Uh, that's nine out of ten for those of you not familiar with uh, Mr. Evra's mother tongue. 
phenomenally brilliant season. Just one of my favourite all-time Manchester United players. He's hilarious whenever you see him interviewed. I don't know if you saw the other, I think it was the um, Sunday before last of the season, one of the papers had a brilliant interview with him. Just on the pitch, though, devastatingly effective going forward, phenomenally competent defensively, terrific, and, and an all-round great season. I, I don't find too much to argue with your 9 out of 10 score. He's just been superbly consistent as well, and and uh, he looked like he got tired towards the end of the season, I thought, and he, he has played a lot of games this season. But yeah, yeah he's just been superb, and, and it's not a surprise that uh, there's a lot of speculation about him leaving I'm, I'm sure agents will be getting involved and a lot of other clubs would want him but I, I just can't see him leaving so um, I'm sure we can look forward to a few more years of Evra's brilliance in the centre of defence of course that was a that was a serious problem for United this season um, neither Vidic or Ferdinand nor Evans uh, could stay fit for any long period of time could they so, uh, Ferdinand started just 12 Premier League games all season uh, his back problem looks chronic it's caused all sorts of issues for him I, I'd be really surprised if we don't see a similar problem next season as well. I, I don't think back problems solve themselves that easily. And then Vidic had this strange nerve problem. And for weeks and weeks on end, we were told he'd been training and he was fit. And then he'd pull himself out. And I think that uh, led a lot of people to believe that his commitment to the club wasn't all that it could be. And especially with his agent clearly hawking him around Europe. And I think that affected his performances. I think we saw right at the end of the season, actually, the real Nemanja Vidic. And we all hope he stays and is the heart of our defence next season. Now, I thought Johnny Evans was excellent this season when he played. And, of course, he had that ankle injury during the sort of uh, autumn and winter months, and, and that didn't help him at all. And I think he suffered a bit of a dip of form there. But, when you know, aside from that sort of period, I think whenever he's played, he's been really good. Yeah, I think your ratings are pretty fair. I mean, Rio's looked brilliant in patches this season because he's a brilliant player. But, but that injury is obviously taking it out of him. And um, it was brilliant to see Fidic kind of so super committed to the cause uh, in the last couple of months of the season. And it kind of made me do almost a mental double take where I was thinking, wait a minute, a month ago I was pretty certain he was out of here. He might have been leaving in January. But now, like you said, 80-20 in favour of him staying. And, and that, that would have been a very different situation a few months ago. And Johnny Evans, yet yeah, looks like he could be one of the greats for a long time, actually, Johnny Evans. Does he really? He, he's still very young. Yeah, you know, 20, 22, yeah. yeah. And I, I think I think central defenders are, are probably players that mature later because it's that kind of understanding and reading of the game that's, that's so important, yeah. I think... Um, Central midfield has been a real problem for us this year, obviously, and and uh, I, I think that's reflected in a lot of my scores. I, I I scored Gibson and Anderson and Carrick all at fives, and I thought none of them had a great season. I know Gibson scored a few goals. I, I maybe it's I have a I have an irrational hatred of Darren Gibson. I just don't think he's very good. And I think Michael Carrick's had his poorest season at Old Trafford by miles. And and Anderson was pretty disappointing, and uh, I wrote a piece right at the beginning of the season saying last chance for Anderson, and well, he'll probably get one more chance. I, I don't know. There's a lot of rumours that he they'll try and ship him out. The problem is he won't be fit till Christmas, so I, I don't think he'll leave this summer. Who's going to buy an injured player? Um, but when he did play, I just didn't think he was very good either, uh, for the most part. We were saved, of course, by Darren Fletcher, who was absolutely superb all season. 
Yeah, with the slight tongue-in-cheek, we dubbed him Manchester United's most important midfielder, Darren Fletcher, but your scores at the end of the season roundup clearly do make him officially United Rant's most important Manchester United midfielder, giving him an 8 out of 10. Incidentally, before we move on from Anderson, I think 5 out of 10 is extraordinarily generous. I think Michael Carrick has had a much better season than Anderson. I would give Anderson maybe 2, because he's had, what, one one good game, maybe? out of the season for a lot of it with injury but when he was around didn't look like making any kind of impact whatsoever I think that's a little generous in fact for Anderson and although Carrick's had a pretty dodgy season I think he's been okay often enough to to warrant five five and a half six out of ten but yeah no 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 debate whatsoever about Darren Fletcher eight out of ten but it would be higher if the uh, last couple of months of the season hadn't dipped slightly yeah, um, I, I think I, you're right, he did, and uh, we, we've saved a little bit because Paul Scholes obviously came into form the last few months of the season, yeah, that's, that's why I gave him a 7, because I think over the course of the season he probably hasn't deserved a 7. No, uh, I was a bit you generous. also, yeah Ed, also he's Paul Scholes, that's why you gave him a 7. That's right, <laughs> <laughs> he is a legend, that's where he starts at 7s. <laughs> yeah, exactly, like 7 is, it's, you know, he does definitely get the uh, the, the legend bump. Someone who hasn't got the legend bump, uh, I think. I think this is harsh, Ed. I think, in fact, if you if you look at Ryan Giggs and Paul Scholes' season, they're almost identical, just in reverse. Um, Giggs was imperious in the first half of the season, and Paul Scholes has had a brilliant little finish to the season. And I think they both deserve seven out of ten. And it's just the order in which it's happened that's made you give uh, Ryan a six. Yes, may- maybe uh, Giggs's poorer performances have come at the end of the season and, and that's uh, clouded my judgment a little bit because it's fresher in the memory. Um, yeah, he, he was good the opening weeks of the season. season we, we spoke about it, didn't we? He was continuing his form and then he had that unfortunate broken arm and he really didn't come back and put in any kind of performance since then. The worrying thing I, I find with Giggs is whereas that kind of bursty style he's always had could be such an effective weapon when he, he plays through the centre two two things are that he just doesn't have that burst of pace sometimes to get away from play so he's been losing possession and then more often than not Ferguson's actually played in wide this season which um, he's admitted himself and said he wasn't planning to but he has done Giggs's ability on the ball is still there but he's obviously playing in that kind of wide position he, he's never going to beat a man anymore and and so I think uh, his performances have dipped because of that yeah I, I think you're right but I, I've, I just think I think he deserves seven overall for the season um, given given how brilliant he was um, there was a point before the Rooney train really started rolling where he looked our most important player yeah, early point of the season. Yep, yeah, of course, Rooney's real burst of goals came from November onwards. And but we 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 had some good performances from other wingers. So we, we uh, mentioned Valencia earlier, and I I think he's had a, a just a fantastic debut season for United. And he he's grown in confidence. I thought his performances early in the season were good, uh, but perhaps a little tentative sometimes. And he's really taken on the mantle now. He knows he's he's in the first team picture. He he knows that uh, he's got the confidence of the manager, and the players will give him the ball and that's what he does give him the ball let him beat players let him put crosses in and he's created so many goals from Rooney it's, it's unbelievable and I just think it's been really good we just like him to score a few more he did score quite a few in the first half of the season and really none in the second half and he missed a couple of really crucial chances against Blackburn away didn't he uh, so I think he's got five for the season and kind of like him to get in double figures yeah I think eight out of ten is fair though I think that's, that's exactly right and 
and he could easily hit a 9 or even a 10 out of 10 season before he leaves the club. I think I think there could be a year we remember as the Valencia season. Of course, judgments are all relative, aren't they? So uh, we'll be judging him next season on the basis of what he's done this season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, talking of someone for whom judgment is relative, the most confusing player by a country mile in the Manchester United squad, a player who could easily have had a 3 out of 10 season and a 10 out of 10 season in the same season, Nani. He, he was just awful, wasn't he, in the first half of the season? And so frustrating. And then Ferguson left him outside for ages and there was all that talk that he'd be sold and rumours that bids had come in during the, the winter transfer window and uh, that he might leave the club and, and then he came back and he just had that burst of games uh, started with a cameo against Burnley and then the, the 4-0 drubbing of Hull and of course he ended up uh, starring in that, that game at the Emirates against uh, Arsenal where he was absolutely brilliant and uh, did, did the Arsenal defence up like a kipper and and that kind of sparked a run of really good performances from him. I still think he has the ability to frustrate, and he, he has frustrated me in games where he's actually been very effective. So, say, the game against Spurs at home, I, I think for large periods of that game, he was picking the wrong choices again, and that's kind of where we'd seen the maturity grow in Nani, that he was passing at the right time and beating a man at the right time, and he was perhaps trying to do too much. But then he has the quality on the ball, and uh, he's created a, you know, scored one and, and uh, drove into the box to to get a penalty so he he made a massive impact on that particular game stunningly good against Bayern as well yes he was yes uh, and a great goal of course flicked uh, between his legs I don't know it could, it's not impossible it, it isn't impossible that Nani could be a genuine world beater um, who's just come to maturity very late I, I, I still don't think that's out of the question although I certainly wouldn't say it was likely. Um, Owen Hargreaves, you've given him a question mark because he played 30, less than 30 seconds of the season. was brilliant to see him come on, though, wasn't it? It, it really was, yeah. He had, he had, I think it was 27 seconds on the pitch, uh, in which time he headed the ball and had uh, a shot at goal, shall we say. Let's be generous. Um, yeah, there was, a, there was a great tweet after that, actually. So in 30 seconds, he had one shot at goal, uh, meaning on average, he's uh, United's best striker of a ball this season with a you know, 1,700 strikes at goal on average per game. <laughs> That's a lot. Jisung Park was kind of great once or twice and then kind of okay the rest of the season. Very fair, 6 out of 10. Brings us on to our forwards. Um, we've we've talked a little bit about Wayne Rooney already. Um, not too much more to be said. You've given him 9 out of 10. Would have been 10 out of 10, I'm sure, without that injury. A phenomenal number of goals and phenomenal quality of goals phenomenal mixture of goals just 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 one of the greats yeah brilliant season just a brilliant season it's hard to give him a 10 because yes he, he did get injured and it's not his own fault is it but uh, in the last sort of five or six games of the season he, he was uh he was clearly lacking in mobility so didn't have much of an impact i thought and and there's room for improvement right he could still get better yet yeah that's that's true you're right absolutely um I don't know how much more effective he could be than he's been this season, um, but but definitely he and he is right up there. He is right up there with the two or three best in the world. 
Yeah, yeah. So the the one worry for me with Rooney is is burnout, and uh, I, I was yeah. uh, just doing a little bit of research on this because, of course, Landon Donovan, the American forward who played for Everton for a while this season, said he he thought Rooney looked shattered, and and I I do tend to agree with that. He's he's played forty four games this season, which isn't over the top. Plus some England internationals. Plus he played a lot of the pre season, so over the course he's he's probably had about sixty games or so. Um, not all of them competitive uh, uh, but he's had more than 400 competitive games already and he's only 24 and uh, that's a lot it really is a lot and if he carries on playing to say Giggs's age he'll have played like a thousand games so uh, there is a risk here and of course he's going to play all summer and depending on how far England go in the World Cup and, and straight into pre-season after that, he'll get almost no break. So there's a risk next season he, he will need a break and they might need to give him a month off or something over the winter or he's going to get injured again. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I completely agree. Um, and given how we're not likely to be any particularly less reliant on him this time next season, I, I don't know. Can't help thinking that if Sir Alex was 45 years old, he'd be more inclined to give Rooney a month off because there's less at stake for him. You know, got longer to work with him, more chance to give. Yeah, anyway. But and and also, if he, he trusted uh, the players we had in forward positions a little more, then he would give Rooney more of a break. And that that kind of comes to the my ratings for the rest of the forwards. I, I gave Berbatov and Macheda a five and a four respectively, and Owen a five and Diouf a four. And I find it hard to give any of them any more than that. No, absolutely. And I'm sure a lot of people would say that Berbatov didn't deserve five. But, you know, I think it's fair to give him five. He, he did all right a few times. Um, if you distill it down to Premier League and starts, he's got he's got 12 and 24, which is a pretty good strike rate. But then if you actually look, take the whole season, um, including that he just didn't score in any of the Champions League games he played in, given that he didn't actually start in many of them. Uh, so I, I think he's uh, he's had some excellent games, you're right. Um, uh, and we're just talking about this, this season uh, and... Uh, let's say the Bolton game away was maybe his best but too often just too frustrating and the end product wasn't good enough Um, yeah and when I said some people wouldn't give him five I meant they wouldn't give him that many rather than that's too too few kind of thing I'm sure a lot of people would be inclined to say oh Berbatov only gets a one he'd be rubbish but you know I don't think that's quite fair well we don't Um, engage in that kind of tabloid nonsense here on rant do we Uh, (laughs) I've never seen you engage in tabloid nonsense on run as never um, no no maybe only the time I put up that picture of Cristiano Ronaldo with the words just fuck off to Real Madrid <laughs> yeah I remember that and also you know well let's not no I was going to talk about Steven Gerrard but let's not sully the podcast uh, Federico Machedi up 4 out of 10 fair enough let's hope that's a, a 6 or a 7 next season if not you know an 8 that'd be amazing and I think Michael Owen's got exactly the same score that everybody would kind of have expected him to get at the beginning of the season 5 out of 10 he's Michael Owen phenomenally talented footballer um, just way too injury prone and not nearly as mobile as he used to be highlight of his season apart from that city goal obviously the game against Wolfsburg where he scored a hat-trick yes and, and nine goals I mean I don't know is that a good enough return uh, Tevez got 15 although only five in the league um, very average from home we'd love to have someone better basically uh, I don't know whether we will I mean Owen's signed on for another year so we'll definitely see Owen next year no, I'm glad. I'm glad he's there next season because I think he can do it. He can do a job definitely. I, I I wouldn't want him shipped out particularly, but um, you don't want him to necessarily be the number two best striker at United. No, um, 
And of course, uh, his poor season has uh, led to an omission from Fabio Capello's World Cup squad. Hardly a surprise, was it? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but nice segue nonetheless, Ed. Yeah, I, well, I can't help myself sometimes. But uh, yeah, it'd be just nice to end the pod on uh, a little bit of uh, World Cup talk. Of course, uh, there are nine United players going to the World Cup. Eight in the first team squad, and plus Zoran Tosic, who's currently at Cologne, and who may not return to Old Trafford. They may decide to cut their losses on him. So, yeah, plenty of Reds interest. Also, another nine former Reds at the World Cup as well. Although, a couple of disappointments. Ruud van Nistelrooy wasn't picked in the Dutch squad, and I think he was very disappointed about that. After he moved to Hamburg in the second half of the season, he thought that might give him enough game time to to force his way into the squad. Didn't happen. Uh, Juan Veron, who has played a lot for Argentina recently, now at Estudiantes, di- didn't make it either. Uh, Juan Veron fell foul to Diego Maradona's new policy of being completely mental. Can I just start? Uh, well, we're talking about Manchester United players here, but if you were managing Argentina, would you A, take Esteban Cambiaso to the World Cup, or B, not take Esteban Cambiaso to the World Cup? Yes, I'd probably take him, given given how good he's been for Inter this season, yes. <laughs> Zanetti's a tougher goal, because obviously he's been a brilliant player over his career, but he is 36. Yeah, that that's not a completely mental decision, but not taking um, Cambiaso. Anyway, we're going to have more World Cup talk. Um, uh, Ed will try and make it as United-centric as possible for everyone, but we're going to do a podcast a week for the duration of the World Cup, uh, which will be about what you get from us rank cast wise during the summer um we'll be back obviously um after the world cup with season previews and all that sort of good stuff but if you don't want to hear us saying every week well we haven't bought anyone again i think we'll probably not do a weekly podcast during the, the summer when the world cup's not on that sounds about fair enough and uh, hope uh, all the listeners have enjoyed the podcast this season we'll we'll certainly back, be back during the world cup and for the north american pre-season tour uh, cover any of the signings we've hopefully made over the summer um, let's be positive about it and uh, thanks for listening yeah thank you very much it's been uh, it's been a real pleasure Ed uh, thanks for letting me do this uh, with you all season it's it's your website I'm, I'm just a visitor um, and uh, and yeah um, thanks to all the, the Rankcast listeners that have got in touch um, if you haven't and you've wanted to please do because it, it definitely um, gives us fuel to keep keep talking at you uh, you can follow me on twitter uh, twitter.com slash utd rantcast ed is of course at united rant uh, but you knew that already and uh, we'll see you during the world cup